Welcome to Inside College Admission for what is a back to school edition at SCORE. My name is Peter Van Buskirk and today I'm joined by Julie Kampschroeder. We're going to talk about things that students who are applying to college should be thinking about as the academic year starts. So welcome, Julie. Thank you. It's good to be here. Well, it's always good to chat with you. And, and I, I always marvel at, at the role of the college advisor in a school setting, dealing with the, the anxiety, the eagerness that students and their parents bring to this process. Help us understand what it's like for a, a college advisor at the start of school right now. Absolutely. I think uh, from our end, college counseling and college advisors we're really excited. It's, it's like the first day of school of kindergarten for us because we know that these students, they've worked so hard, especially the seniors this year, they will be the most resilient class ever to apply to college as they move through COVID during their high school years. Some may have had most of their high school at home and others may have been in school the whole time. But uh, for us, we're ramping up for, for a great year and uh, excited to meet with students. Well, and, and, and they certainly bring a lot of energy uh, at you all at one time. Now, you've had experience in a number of different settings from both public and private. Uh, uh, do, you, do you see any difference in, in the way your work is affected by the environment you're in? Yes, that is correct. So my the end of my career, I was in the Title I high school. That's when 90% or more on free or reduced lunch, which also tends to bring with it large caseloads. So I would have 450 juniors, 450 oh, seniors, you know, that may want to come in and talk about their future. When I was in a private school, uh, you know, you may have 30 kids on a caseload. And so that counselor is much more uh, at hand at any given time. But when you work in a large high school, you have to make sure you're very organized. And that is absolutely something that I talk to our students about. As you start senior year, you have never applied to college before. So it's new for you. It's exciting, but it, there may be some anxiety there. So we really suggest that you get organized coming into senior year. Now that would include uh, creating a spreadsheet online, or I actually even like the visual ones even more where a student might print off a calendar free online uh, where they can put on their, their application deadlines, their scholarship deadlines, when they need to apply to take a standardized test if they're going to and when the test is going to be when the college fairs are going to be, you know, college fairs, all of the information. So they can visually see that multiple times a day and remember those deadlines. So organization is pretty important here. This college process doesn't slow down at all as, as the, uh, the calendar marches forward in the fall. And what are some of the key points in terms of dates that, that kids should be thinking about in the fall? Now that we're into August, actually, it is time to start applying. As a matter of fact, a few minutes before we started here, I have a nephew who's going to be a senior, and I texted him, it's time to apply. Get in there before school starts, before football starts. Finish your applications of the schools that you know you're going to apply to. So it's okay to start filling out those applications online. His response to me was, I don't have my transcript yet, so I don't know my GPA. I said, that's okay. You can still do the application. I'll send in the fee or for some of my students who had fee waivers. And then the counselor does their part when, you know, it's in the hopper to send those transcripts. So a lot of times students think they have to wait and they do not. Hmm. Now, students applying via the common application, uh, that is online and it was online even junior year. Some of it rolled over, some of it will be new starting August 1st. But now is the time to get on there, 
actually use the college application process as if it is your eighth class, if you have seven classes. So mm -hmm. just, you know, carve out time, do a little at a time so that you're not trying to do it all at once. But if you're applying early decision to a school, early decision one will typically be November 1st, possibly November 15th. So I always told my students, make sure you have all of your applications in by Halloween. If sooner, the better. Now, you, you mentioned early decision, and I, I think a lot of folks understand that early decision get, is the opportunity that students have to make a commitment to a school. Uh, they're saying, if they, by applying early decision to the school, if you accept me, I'm going to come. Um, and, and on the surface, that seems like that's a pretty good deal for students. But there are some caveats there that, that students need to be mindful of. Is it always a good idea to apply early decision? No, it is not. Every student is a different situation. Mm -hmm. So the students in my Title I school, we did our homework junior year and we knew the schools that could meet financial need. Mm -hmm. And uh, those are the ones. So they're very selective as to what universities they were applying to. I would say middle and upper class families, you definitely need to be doing the net price calculators. You need to understand what the family is going to be asked to come up with. Now, the only time you can get out of that contract is if you cannot afford the school, but that's not something you want to find out after you've been accepted. So you really want to do that homework up front. So really work with your counselors to determine which schools would be a good early decision one fit for you. So there are different layers to this planning process to this organization to this calendar we've got the the application itself that students need to be working on uh, they need to be mindful of where they're applying and 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 perhaps the commitments they might be making and they need to be mindful of the whole financial aid process as well now let's kind of take a step back and deal with the students and their own application is is it a good time now as school starts to be focusing on a short list of colleges and, and what do you think would be a reasonable number of colleges for students to be looking at with regard to applications? And we understand every student is at a different place coming into senior year. Some of them spent a lot of time junior year and over the summer, some might just be getting into the game. Mm -hmm. um, if so, if you're a procrastinator, you definitely want to spend lots of time on the weekends getting caught up. So it really depends on the student. For instance, uh, my nephew, he decided that he was going to apply to all out-of-state public flagship schools. And that means that they're not going to be a lot of merit scholarships. And when he uh, did the work and found out what his family must pay doing a net price calculator, he has decided he's applying to in-state publics. Uh, so for him, he may only apply to three schools. So I think three to five schools, if you're applying in-state, if you're applying out-of-state, probably more like eight, um, hopefully not more than 10. That really gets uh, a little too far out there, um, especially if you've done your homework upfront. And not only do you know if it is a good school for you academically, but also if it fits into your financial situation of your family. Well, and, and I, I, I was hearing you say eight to 10, sort of the high side. And I, that, that number resonates with me as well, because I've watched kids prepare applications. And even those who are most diligent find that doing a good job on an application takes time. Doing a good job on eight to 10 is like taking an advanced placement class on top of everything else in the fall. So be ready for that, I guess, right? Exactly. Do not think more is better in this case. Doing your homework early on and narrowing down to more like five to six is a really, really good idea for a senior. 
And if you're doing over 10, then you really are not doing a good job on every application. There's just no way. One of the things that, that kids are going to have to deal with in their application process this year is um, an, an explanation, if you will, of, of how they dealt with adversity, the adversity of the pandemic, of COVID. And, and really, in, in all of your years, all of my years of, of, of working in, in the college going process, we haven't seen anything quite like this, where kids were displaced for extended periods of time in their own classroom situations. And, and now the, the admission process is upon them, uh, and they're being given an opportunity to talk about the COVID situation. What, what's your take on that? How, how would you recommend a student address the adversity of, of COVID in, in her application? And that is correct. In common application, they're giving that choice if they if they choose to how COVID, you know, impacted their high school career. Uh, at first, a lot of counselors were saying, nah, don't do that essay. I, I disagree. I think it personalizes the application process for the student so that the college does understand. Uh, you know, I've had students where I was giving presentations on college prep uh, in the spring of 2020. And I asked them, please, you know, turn on your, your video. It's okay. Keep your, you know, audio off. Um, but I had a student who was literally babysitting for, you know, a two-year-old and, and he was sitting in her lap and, you know, she was trying to watch him. It was her nephew and trying to keep, you know, listening to the information that I was giving about the college process. And I was fully okay with that. But I think colleges need to understand the different types of situations that different students were going through. Um, if you have, if you're living with multiple generations in your home, it's really hard to have, you know, multiple students doing classwork and or adults trying to do their work. And sometimes the Wi-Fi didn't work. Um, so I think no matter what your socioeconomic status is, I think you share with them um, maybe the anxieties and the hurdles you had to overcome during high school. Well, and, and with regard to COVID, everybody had to overcome that. I mean, it, it was not a, a, a pandemic that, that was afflicted upon just one or two students. Uh, everyone felt it. But again, when admission officers make decisions about candidates, they want to do so contextually. And this is where the student has an opportunity to provide some insight into that context. Now, another opportunity that they have is to make sure the people who support them can help them tell that part of their story. So folks like yourself, the college advisor, teachers as well, should students be at a point now where they have, a, have their teacher recommendations lined up pretty well? And how should that be working? Absolutely. At this point, hopefully the student has asked the teachers back in the spring of junior year if they're willing to write them a letter of recommendation. And the counselor also should know that uh, that student will need one for the school they're applying to. So if you haven't met individually with that teacher and, or teachers and counselor uh, and kind of shared your story, you want to do that very quickly. Uh, maybe even an intro email if school doesn't start for a week or so, reminding them that they agreed to it. If not asked, you have to ask first and ask them what they need from you. Um, so yes, now is definitely the time in August, um, definitely by early September, teachers are busy and they're going to need that extra hour to write your letter. So make sure that that is also on your spreadsheet of things to do right now, in addition to asking for your first meeting with your person who's going to be helping you, college counselor, advisor, uh, right now as well. Get in there as soon as you can because they will fill up very quickly. I like what you say about teachers because teachers can be very powerful allies to students 
in this process in the telling of the story. And, and then of course the college advisor should be indispensable to the student. Uh, Absolutely. Help us understand again, what the role of the college advisor tends to be with the actual processing of an application. Once the student has completed his part of the, the extracurriculars, the essays, et cetera, where does the counselor come into play here? And that can change by school. So mm -hmm. a smaller private school or a smaller public school, that counselor might ask to see everything before everything is sent. In a larger school, such as mine, where you're dealing with, say, 900 juniors and seniors, you usually give the students the leeway to send when they are ready, uh, hopefully after you've gone over it with them. But of course, the counselor uploads their letter of recommendation. Teachers upload their letters of recommendations. Students don't have to wait for that. So it's up to the student to ask their college advisor, how is the process going to go? Hopefully there's you know, an all-senior meeting to let you know what the process is going to be, how to ask for your transcript, who's going to press send, you know, all of that information. But again, that is communication. You must communicate with that person who's helping you the most. So perhaps looking at the calendar that the student is putting together, the timeline for the fall, an important uh, notation should be, got to go talk to my college advisor now to find out what the rules or the expectations are with regard to compiling and submitting of my credentials. Absolutely. And if you're applying via the common application, I would get in there about every week and a half if you can. Mm -hmm. you, you mentioned the common application a couple of times. Help, help us understand what what that is. I mean, colleges and universities have perhaps their own application in some instances, but this common application is a different animal. Why would a student consider using the common application in this process? And this again came up with my nephew just a few moments ago via text. And when he said, well, I can't apply yet, I need my GPA, well, the common app and I said, you know, you can do the first click of the button where the application is online at the school and that'll take you about 20 minutes. The mm -hmm. common application, I usually tell my students, takes about 40 hours. By the time you spend, you know, revising essays and you might have supplemental essays and you have to prioritize your college resume on there, you have to get the teacher recommendations, counselor recommendations, et cetera. So if a student can apply via the college website and spend 25 minutes and maybe do five schools, you know. The individual college website you're talking about now. Okay. Correct, right, yeah. right. Mm -hmm. Normally, if they're a common app school, they normally have the university application and then a box for a common application. Now there's schools like Washington University, they don't have their own application. You must apply via the common app. So obviously you have one choice. And if that's the case, and your other three or four schools are also on there, then you might go ahead and just do all of them via the Common App. Sure. So. Yeah, and, and just for clarity purposes here too, the Common Application is a really an organization of colleges and universities nationwide that agree to use one form. Uh, the application. And, and I remember, and you probably do as well, uh, many years ago when there was a lot of consternation about should I use the college's own application or should I use the common application? Will it matter? Um, I don't think there's any such consternation anymore, but uh, the common application is a bit of a time saver because students can su submit the basic form of their application to X number of colleges through the common app. Now, when, when the kids get onto the common app with five or six or seven colleges, what are they likely to encounter that they might not have anticipated? 
uh, with regard to this, the, the supplemental information. Okay, so the supplemental, they have to look on there to make sure if there are other, what I call kind of the sub-essays, so there's going to be one large essay, um, but many schools want to have the why me question, why is my school a good fit for you, why do you want us, and of course they want it to be individualized, so the student really needs to know their schools and be able to make sure that that supplemental essay cannot be used for every school. I think another shocking part of the Common App is how many questions they ask about your family. Mm. I have students that have more siblings than they even have slots for on the Common App, and then they get confused as to what they need to do at that point. You know, they want to know what your parent does for a living. Uh, so there's all kinds of questions on there that if you've not started the Common Application, say junior year, uh, you definitely want to get on there and spend some time. It's not difficult. It's just very time consuming. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and I think that, that you, you hit on something there that's important because when, when a student thinks about completing an application, wherever it might be, you think, as you suggested, it's just maybe 45 minutes to work through all of this, uh, and you don't anticipate some of those sub-questions. You don't anticipate some of the additional information you need to provide. So maybe that spreadsheet you talked about earlier that kids need to be working on, that timeline, needs to include notations for all of the supplements for each of the schools. 100%. Yes. So when you go the common app, actually, it's and it's commonapp.org yeah. uh, for students who are interested in, in checking it out if they've not already, they will have a really good timeline on there and let you know what is due when. One thing we haven't talked about yet, Peter, is financial aid. Hmm. So let me, if you don't mind, I'll speak to that for a moment. Sure. Sure. In September, this should be on your calendar for September, you really want to get your FSA ID and that's at e.ed.gov, as in government. And that is going to be your username and password for the FAFSA form that opens October 1st. The student needs one, and the parent also needs one. If you're living with two parents, you only need one for the group of them. If you have older siblings, the parent will already have a username and password, the FSA ID. But then you really want to get that done in September. So October, you can start filling out the FAFSA. F-S-A-I-D, and that's, that's a key link to, to get folks into the FAFSA application process. Correct. I stress that, and I think you stress that also, because folks tend to put off financially because it's tough. It's, it's just, it's like another language, isn't it? Uh, and why do I have to deal with it right now? But there's real benefit, I guess, to getting that FAFSA completed as soon as possible. Could you explain? Yes, and really it's kind of parallel. And mm -hmm. you're correct. A lot of students think, oh, I'm going to do all my applications, then I'll worry about financial aid. You right. really don't want to do that. It doesn't take long at all, maybe just a few minutes if you have everything you need, social security number, birthday, things like that. Uh, you'll have to come up with you know, all these little words to get through so nobody else can get through your private information. Right. But it really doesn't take long. But I would do that before October 1st. Now, October 1st, you do want to complete the FAFSA form. And for those students applying via the Common App and doing early decision one, you are also quite often going to have to do the CSS profile, which is part of College Board. So if you already have a College Board account from taking an AP test, a PSAT test, SAT, you will already have an account. So CSS profile is on there as well. And a few of you unlucky folks will have to do IDOCS, which is another whole version, uh, but probably only about a third of CSS schools 
have to do IDOCs. And last I looked, there were about 750 schools who required the CSS profile, maybe 250 for IDOCs. And, and among those that require the profile, most of them are private. Correct. Uh, whereas Correct. state universities typically rely exclusively on the FAFSA form. And that is correct. That, that, so it's, it's important to, to get that information into the pipeline as soon as possible. You have a lot of students who say, well, I'm going to wait till I see where I get in, and then I'm going to apply for financial aid. Good thing, bad thing? Bad thing, um, especially for state aid. So mm -hmm. state aid does run out. I live in the state of Missouri, and we are very cheap on financial aid. So I always tell my students, really, you want the FAFSA to be completed by the end of October to be guaranteed the state grant if you're eligible. And most of my students were eligible. So again, being a procrastinator could lose money uh, out of your pocket down the road. So that's why you really want to take the advice of your college counselors and advisors in this process. One thing we haven't talked about yet that still looms large for a lot of students heading into the fall, both, both seniors, but also juniors, is testing. Uh, for the last uh, 18 months, many test sites were closed down and students' access to standardized testing, both the SAT and the ACT, was extremely limited, if available at all. Now, kids are coming into the fall concerned about when can I take the test? Well, what's this test optional thing all about too? Over the last year, the number of colleges and universities that provide the test option in the admission process has grown by about 60%. So we've got a lot of kids who are saying, do I really need to take a test again in my senior year? Or uh, if, if I'm a junior, if, if the schools on my list are test optional, do I really need to take the test? How do you advise them? There will be philosophical differences on this. I will tell you my version and I'll tell you another person's sure. version locally. So my version is, I am so sorry that so many testing centers were closed. I think, I think that's horrible for our students. But if testing centers are open for senior year, I do suggest taking it. You, for some schools, you'll get a choice whether you want to send that score or not, which is great. Or you might super score taking the best of your subscores of multiple tests and send those in. But you may also have the choice of going test optional. So applying and saying, please don't look at my scores at all. So for some schools, that's awesome. But I found at my state schools, they were saying that, and that was true for admissions, but some of the majors are really competitive to get into, and then they wanted a test score or some of the higher merit scholarship money required test scores. So to me, it's not optional. I really want my students, if they can, and if it's an option to go ahead and still take to this fall if their testing centers are open. I think that's a good idea. You hit on something, though, that I want to, to explore a little bit further. You, you mentioned that not all the colleges require this test. You also suggested the students ought to be mindful of the scores that they send in. Now, there's something that's called score choice that students need to know about if they don't know already, and that is that they own the results of that test, right? The, uh, the, their parents don't own it. Uh, you, the college counselor, don't own it. The, the colleges don't own it, and they, they need to remember that it's up to them who gets to see the results. And, and most, like 99.5% of colleges in the country will honor score choice. So when a student's registering for a test this fall, an SAT or an ACT, 
what do you think? Uh, should the student enter in four colleges to which uh, the results would be sent sight unseen, or do you think they might leave that blank? I would say most students now are leaving that blank. In the past, students who used a fee waiver pretty much had to put schools in because they didn't have the money, the 15 or $18 to send it later. But the test companies are kind of changing that so that you can still send those later without a fee. So Mm -hmm. I would go ahead and say, you know, check your scores and then you can decide what you're going to send and when, but also let your schools know. Some of the larger publics still might input those scores and before they are sent, they need to be deleted. So mm-hmm. that is something that, you know, the students need to be aware of. Know the person in on your campus who's going to send the transcript. It could be a registrar or it could be a counselor or it could be a secretary. So you need to find out who's going to send that and let them know which ones you do and do not want on your transcript. Well, which is exactly, and and the schools need to understand if they don't already understand that they should not arbitrarily enter that information on your transcript. That is correct. Yeah, that's a legal issue. (laughs) issue, Right, you don't wanna get caught up in that. Absolutely. And I mentioned earlier, there was a gentleman in my area who was telling students not to take the test because of all the test optional. But I'm not so sure, you know, if he knew that state universities were still going to need those for certain reasons. So for me, I'm always safer than sorry, have it and don't use it rather than not have it at all. Well, and it gets complicated because as many institutions, as you suggest, that are test optional in the admission process may then say, well, we'd like to see your test results for a scholarship or you want to get into a special uh, honors program, we need your test. So you have to manage that information. Maybe you want to withhold it for admission, but then when it comes time to be considered for other things, realize, okay, you've got to to show them. Uh, Exactly. And for instance, they're at the larger publics. A lot of times you apply to get into the major going into junior year. Do you Mm -hmm. really want to go back and take those standardized tests, sophomore year of college? So my suggestion is to go ahead and continue to take those, even if you use the option of test optional. At least you have them in the bank somewhere. Absolutely. Uh, And use a little bit later. Wow. So kind of going back to the original premise of this conversation, it makes sense to be organized, doesn't it? Uh, There are a lot of things going on. The the calendar is going to move very fast. And uh, even if you're not a procrastinator, it's it's something that this whole college process can creep up on you and and suddenly run you over. The procrastinators, they, they make you earn your money, don't they? They do. And I'm okay. I get paid the same either way. However, I tell them the timeline I give you is really for your benefit, for your anxiety level, because you may be applying to college for the first time, but you've not been through a semester of high school. You know, this is your first rodeo. So, you know, as the semester goes on at the end of the semester, you know, tests, exams, projects. So get this application process out of the way, kind of first quarter, so to speak. And you will have a lot less anxiety and actually be able to enjoy senior year, which is something we want you to do. Well, I, I think that's absolutely right. Uh, this is the, the end of a long journey through high school, and, and you want to make sure that you leave with a, a very good feeling about everything that's happened. Julie, this has been wonderful. I've enjoyed the opportunity to, to uh, compare notes with you about how the, the, the organization for the senior year, the timeline need, could come together to really help kids. And I hope that the folks who have listened in will take heart and, and, and plan accordingly. I always enjoy my time with you, Peter. 
Well, it's, it's, it's fun, fun to talk shop. I, I know that. So uh, folks listening, don't hesitate. Don't wait. Dive in. Be smart about decisions you make and, and stay organized. Then good luck. This uh, college process hopefully will yield the results that you'd like. Thank you again, Julie. Everybody have a great day. Until next time, be well. Thank you.